Mini episode 1473 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1473. This is FDH Lounge Managing Partner Rick Morris here, and uh, one of our favorite FDH Lounge dignitaries is with us today, my good friend, FDH Streaming Editor Ben Chu. He's been part of an ongoing series we've been doing on the show here, as he and I have been keeping up with uh, developments in the streaming industry. Uh, the one that is coming to subsume all of entertainment is eventually at one point here and now uh, the way that it is presented as we go forward and a number of different uh, big developments have happened in the streaming business uh, since last we conversed. Uh, generally we uh, base these uh, conversations around one specific event, usually a launch of one of the big services, but uh, there's been a lot of turmoil in the business, both positive and negative for some of the entities involved. And for all of that, we bring in, as we say, my good friend, Ben Shu. How you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good, Rick. How about yourself? Very good. Very good. Eager to uh, break down some of these things with you here. And uh, this is kind of all over the map with a lot of uh, winners and losers on the recent landscape here. And uh, one of the big losers, obviously, has been Netflix with what has happened with uh, their uh, market cap and uh, the way that their shares have taken a pounding recently here. And uh, again, based on something that you and I have been talking about on air and off air, I believe, over a period of time, and that being the challenge of not being associated with uh, one of the big networks or studios and essentially everything being catch-as-catch-can. And that works out great whenever you snap up something big like uh, Squid Games or uh, Tiger King or anything like that. But the fact that you're always having to constantly hunt for that rather than having an in-house engine to make it happen, that to me makes something like this inevitable. Although I have to say I'm a little bit shocked at this point in time that they're already being talked about as a potential takeover target. Right, and I think the real interesting part of this, Rick, is that we all, at some point during the pandemic, had discussed that Netflix was dealing with subscriber loss and subscriber churn, like a lot of these other uh, streaming services, and it feels kind of like that this was sort of a long time coming. I kind of think we see a precipitous job, a precipitous one one of those words that I'm trying to come up with, Mm -hmm. of 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 their stock going down by more than 32% over a 48-hour period, it's going to be interesting to see with Reed Hastings and their team there. They've already let go of some people on their in-house animation team. They've let people go in terms of programming content. There's a lot of stuff that they were working on that they've either shelved or canceled or sold off. So it's going to be really interesting. I think the major ultimate question for Netflix is that, and I think probably this is the bigger reason why for the subscriber churn that they're facing, is that to keep up with all this original content, they have to spend a lot of money and they have to put a lot of money towards these sort of projects and while they had some Oscar buzz, some Golden Globe buzz, nothing really 
outside of a couple of shows like we've noted, like Bridgerton, Tiger King, uh, Squid Game, there's not really, you know, there's still no real tentpole Netflix show, in my opinion, Rick. And I feel like what's happening with them is, is that when they've been raising their prices, people ha- are choosing smaller, cheaper services like Hulu and, and Apple TV+, Plus just for the same amount of content. I think if we want to look back on anything, essentially the world really did kind of change when, when the office went over the peacock and, you know, at the time Netflix was trying to subside it with the Seinfeld acquisition from Hulu, but it, you, that was sort of, I would say kind of the smoking gun at the end of the day for them. It is very funny, Ben, that as you were saying that I was reflecting back on that moment. And then also, I know it wasn't the exact same moment in time, but it, looking back on it, it feels closely together grouped with when Friends went over to HBO Max. That one-two punch right there does seem significant. And as you were speaking, I was kind of wondering in my head if we're going to remember that as being the high-water mark of Netflix before those things happened. I mean, I think, I think, I mean, there's a lot of people discussing takeover attempts. I don't believe that. I think that's, they're still a big company. They're just going, experiencing through the growing pain. So a lot of tech companies do at the end of the day, right? Yes, they absolutely uh, are going through something that a lot of places go through, and uh, there have been some recent speculation about either Amazon or uh, Apple TV+. Plus. And, of course, uh, they're, both entities have their own streaming ventures already. Netflix does have higher name ID than either of the other two, simply by dint of being around longer. So it's one of those things where there would be a little bit of a uh, dilemma if they were taken over by somebody is uh, would you want to like keep up with your own identity or just take what you have and call it Netflix so that that presents I mean that's not an insurmountable obstacle and that's not a reason in and of itself not to do something but it just goes to show you how complicated some of these considerations can be from the branding on down to everything else and I think one of the things we have to also note with them too is, is that the amount of competition they are now facing through street, other streaming TV and other free, free streaming TV is, remember when Netflix was gaining that huge market cap, they were pretty much the only one out there. It's them and Hulu for the longest time. Yep. And now you're starting to see, you know, with the bigger entities that have this money behind them, that they're able to survive this. These sort of subscriber returns and Netflix really cannot at this moment. And I do feel, too, that's kind of the issue of what we all perceive Netflix to be was they're the, they're the catch-all, essentially, in my opinion, right? right? They have a little bit of everything for everybody, but the problem of being the catch-all is, is that when you lose stuff like The Office and some of these other programs, it becomes problematic because some people are very singularly minded when it comes to their streaming. They are, and when you look at what, what might be uh, a potential remedy here, and this is something that uh, had been being factored in for some time, that we were going to see more of these entities getting into the live sports business, and you're seeing a little bit of it with uh, Hulu being part of the NHL package with Disney, and uh, more so uh, Apple TV Plus having some MLB, and now, of course, the big one in the fall, Amazon Prime with uh, exclusive rights to Thursday night NFL games. Netflix, of course, had long been bandied about as one of the entities maybe to jump in. And there's somebody that under other circumstances you might look at like, okay, well, the Big Ten package for football, and I guess they throw in basketball also too. 
potentially. That's going to be coming up. You have, uh, on a lesser note, the Pac-12 coming up, etc. Any of these type things here. But now you got to worry about Netflix having the bucks to be able to jump in and do that because their market cap was changed so rapidly, so quickly. And I think one of the problems, too, is that Reed Hastings, there was also discussions, I remember at one point, that there was discussions with them in the NBA at some point to put together some sort of live package for the next broadcasting deal. But it seems like, in terms of just general narratives, that they've been very hesitant to do live sports. And again, I, I don't know if they're going to have to cash the pony up because, you know, Apple ponied up a fair amount for the MLB package. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Peacock's you know, getting in on MLB, too. Peacock's you know, going to be doing it. the NHL and ESPN Plus is showing the NHL. So there's a lot of... There's going to be sports that people can go after. The problem is, I think, is, is that there's just... I, I don't think Netflix wants to be in the live sports business because I think by now they probably would have been. Right. And uh, so, it, it, among other things, too, and like I said, in and of itself, not a reason not to do it, but it may look like desperation if they do an about-face here, and if they do have the money to commit to it, it may look like, okay, well, they're changing their tune uh, at a point in time when desperation is setting in, when, and quite frankly, it might just be a rational response to changing circumstances, but uh, yeah, in terms of the libraries that are out there for other things as well, and this wasn't one of the major topics we were going to hit tonight, but it is worth mentioning that there continues to be a lot of speculation around AEW and Tony Khan uh, deepening the relationship with Warner Media. Although, again, with the whole Warner Media change in uh, ownership uh, after the uh, the merger, it looks like Discovery uh, has the uh, the upper hand in, in the new ownership there, but of possibly bringing a uh, AEW-related streaming service to uh, HBO Max, uh, somewhat akin to what Peacock has with the WWE Network, at least domestically in America, and with the rights to uh, Ring of Honor and potentially the domestic rights to New Japan Pro Wrestling being a part of that, because there is that huge AEW New Japan uh, card that is going to be coming to Chicago this summer. So, uh, possibly doing some kind of wrestling streaming deal there through HBO Max, and potentially some rumors out there, maybe a weekly Ring of Honor show now that uh, Tony Khan has uh, acquired the exclusive rights to promote that as well. So uh, as far as live programming, that does continue to be. Uh, when we speak of the word tentpole, that's the biggest one in broadcast and in streaming, Ben, is live, whatever it, it may be, as long as it's live. Right, and I think one of the things, too, is is that what we're seeing in terms of in the post-pandemic timeline is just the fracturing of all these different networks and everyone acquiring their own little thing. And it feels like live sports is one of still the same bastions of cable and the bastions of, of everything. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of people now are going to start to push for their streaming service to have sports. And like we, we're going to see with Amazon doing Thursday Night Football and what Apple TV's already done with baseball, it doesn't necessarily mean I would say, Rick, that some that you know someone's going to change their opinion of Apple TV Plus or Netflix just because they have Major League Baseball. But it doesn't mean, at the same point, too, that there are there's a situation for any organization that wants to tap into live sports to gain a different fan base or to get people to watch their other pieces of content. That is true. It definitely opens up another avenue for that. And, uh, yeah, it, when you talk about live sports and, and everything here, uh, the big one that is on the horizon, it is uh, being rumored at this point. But, uh, again, this does appear to be where there's smoke, there's fire. 
Apple TV Plus making a deal for NFL Sunday Ticket. And uh, in advance of doing this segment, you and I were talking uh, off-air quite a bit. Uh, we should have had the mics rolling for that uh, discussion, but uh, about uh, the possibility of rolling in uh, NFL Red Zone, which uh, the rights to that uh, are very likely to be attached to a Sunday ticket, and uh, what might be done there and how that might be packaged in, and what you do with uh, Sunday ticket itself. And you made the very, very excellent point to me that uh, since uh, NFL Sunday ticket has been a money loser uh, throughout here, uh, the possibility of it potentially being a loss leader for the larger uh, Apple brand, which uh, if that comes to pass, uh, Ben, that is the mother of all clip-and-save predictions for you. Yeah, and I mean, the major thing, especially with Apple TV+, Plus, with first the baseball package and now, again, that's still not official yet, but there's enough rumor mill that says that's going to happen. It's going to be for $2.5 billion, according to a couple of articles that I've read and it feels like it's going to be a scenario for Apple TV. They, they have kind of two or three different ways I think they could do it. They could either A, make Sunday ticket free for all or Apple TV subscribers. B, they can charge an add-on service at a cheaper rate than what Sunday ticket costs, which is a couple hundred dollars a year. And Or they could say essentially, well, we'll give you a free national game and we'll give you Red Zone for free. And I think the, again, this the, we've discussed this, Rick, already. The NFL is the best unit of sports in America. Right. And if Apple TV gets that at their price point, again, I'm assuming it could go up or the add-on part of the package could be high. That's going to send a lot of people who are on the fence to Apple TV because the ability to watch your teams in market, out-of-market games I, I would argue, like, uh, well, so we saw this. We were talking off air, but we saw the subscriber numbers that like two million people right. sign up for Sunday Ticket every year. Yeah, and if you deliver a decent enough price point or number, it doesn't shock me one bit that Apple will that Apple could definitely get some gain some subscribers in the short term with this deal. Yeah, and that would really be incredible because I think well, that... Well, I'd like to say, Rick, one point I do want to note is, like, I would say hardcore subscribers. Well, right, right. And uh, for as much as I, I think the base assumption has just been the default assumption by most people, and quite frankly, myself included, before you and I were talking about this off-air, would be that uh, whatever the streaming deal would be would mimic the traditional model here and that uh, Apple would be charging probably about a similar price to what DirecTV has been charging over a period of time. So like I said, a great clip and save prediction on your part because your argument makes sense and yet it's something that nobody's really focused on at this point and, and the fact that Apple is able to use uh, that and then again, Apple TV Plus is just one part of a very, very large ecosystem with the phones and the computers and everything else there. So yes, so trying to take something, accepting it as the loss leader that it's likely to be anyways, accepting that going in and seeing what can you do to drive movement in all these other different areas, not least of which people consuming the other things on your streaming service. Yeah, you do make a very compelling point for that. Because right now, as you, we've discussed too, Rick, is, is that Apple TV, in my opinion, is full, currently full, entrenched in the number four position mm -hmm. in terms of streaming right now. And I feel like if they make this move and they accept some sort of deal that allows people who are signed into Apple TV Plus who are paying the, the subscription fee, mm -hmm. it makes 
you know, it's a great way to get new subscribers to stay there because there, I, I've, we've, we talk a lot about sports, Rick, but I don't think there's any sport more passionate in the, in the world than, not in the world, the United States than uh, the NFL. Yeah, I would agree. And then you got basketball behind that, but yeah, so I would uh, agree on that end. And uh, yeah, the, the ability to uh, use it in that way, it's a very, very powerful tool for everything else that you have going on there. Uh, you said something here that I want to follow up on. You said you've got them probably just about number four right now. What would the Ben Chu power rankings look like as of April 2022 uh, as far as uh, the streaming services and, and how you think they're slotting out in terms of uh, impact? Sure. Uh, despite the flaws that Netflix have had, I still think they're fully entrenched at number one. I know they went through a lot of subscriber churn. But they are still, in my opinion, the leaders in, at that point. Mm -hmm. Number two, I would say, I, I, since this is a power ranking thing, I would lead to probably Amazon being number two right now, Amazon Prime, just okay. due to the sheer size of it. Sure. Three, I'm going to add, I'll, I'll combo it since it makes sense, but Disney Plus and Hulu. Okay. And number four are going to be about, uh, and number four, I would say with you, would be, I would lean towards HBO Max. I know Apple TV Plus is roughly the same, but I know HBO Max is more subscribers, so I'll say it's them. Okay. And Apple TV is kind of just behind them, but ultimately for that, Rick, they're never going to be on the level of Netflix. What they're trying to do is they're trying to acquire as many customers as they can. Okay. Can I assume then if that... They, the if they end up making the NFL deal work out for you, just for you, mm -hmm. as a sports fan, as an NFL fan... They're going to get more people than 2 million people, especially if you're only paying roughly 5 to... It's currently the price for Apple TV Plus is four ninety nine. So even if you bounce it up to like 6 or seven ninety nine, right, that's still cheaper than almost every other one outside of Hulu with ads. Right. And uh, so basically, I mean, we're looking at once you get past the top one or two or three, a lot of these ones jammed up here closely together, so... Can I assume that from there it would then be Peacock and then probably when you're looking at the major ones, probably Paramount Plus in the wah-wah position? That's what I would say, yes, right. Okay. All right. Interesting uh, look at the hierarchy there. Yeah, I wanted to follow up on that with you. So in, in terms of uh, entities that uh, will not be uh, making a hierarchy uh, anytime soon, uh, it's something that will be uh, on its way out mere days after this is posted, CNN Plus uh, probably the, uh, along with Queeby, the biggest flop in streaming history, I think we can say. And then uh, Discovery Plus, as I had long predicted on the show here, I, I thought that when the Discovery Warner Media merger went down that there would be room for only one uh, streaming service. And the notion that Discovery Plus is going to be a vertical uh, within it, which uh, I think CNN Plus, uh, they're going to drop the plus, obviously, uh, because of the stink of the whole thing here, but CNN will probably have its own vertical within HBO Max at some point. But uh, when you're talking about consolidation, it really, really makes sense because, again, Disney, you can kind of squint at it and look and see, okay, you've, you've got uh, ESPN Plus on the sports side, and then basically Disney's got, you know, the kids stuff and then the fantasy stuff, uh, you know, and Star Wars and whatever, and then Hulu's got a lot more standard fare programming. But by and large for these services, being under one type of banner makes the most sense. So I think we all knew HBO Max was going to be the hub for everything with Warner Media here at some point, and indeed that's the way it's playing out. 
It's just that CNN Plus ended up being such a spectacular flop along the way because lame duck management put it out there. Uh, I guess, uh, from what I understood, Discovery uh, Management wasn't legally allowed to even weigh in on whether it should launch or not. So you had uh, all of the lame ducks over there on the CNN side putting it out and then leaving it to the new bosses to end up killing it. Right, and I think the problem, too, with CNN Plus, just from its outset, Rick, is that it was really pushing for the to be like a... Uh, the leader in, not, I wouldn't say streaming news, but essentially one of your offshoot brands that you can do. And as a you know, someone who wants to keep up with current events and politics, that I think what they were trying to do is they were going, trying to use it as a transitional gap, essentially. Mm-hmm. CNN's always going to be the cable network at the end of the day, but this was their little thing that essentially put together and you know try and build their own sort of in-house team. And like you mentioned, there's a lot, there was a lot of upheaval, and it's not surprising that It was canceled essentially right after this. But one thing, and I've discussed this off air with other people regarding CNN Plus, was just how it just felt to me misguided because CNN doesn't really have a distinct user base. And with most of these things, you kind of need a distinct user base to, you know, continue to be working. And it kind of feels like, you know, with Fox having their own streaming service for the Republicans and MSNBC eventually going to do something along those lines of Peacock, it will just, it just felt like there wasn't really, they didn't really brand it as anything specific to me. It just felt like an amorphous, excuse me, an amorphous thing at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And they also really, it's, they also ran into a similar, uh, similar issue that Apple TV Plus ran into due to the pandemic, which was they, their initial launch of shows just didn't, to me, make any logical sense. Like, sure, you, you bring on Chris Wallace, you also bring on a, a couple of former NPR contributors, but there wasn't anyone on there that, in my opinion, like moved the needle at the end of the day. Right. And, and I think if you're launching a new service, you need something that moves the needle. Well, and there were some things too, like there was one feature that I heard about that they had on there. Uh, so I think Caitlin Collins was on, uh, you know, talking about White House coverage. Some show that Wolf Blitzer had on there were like, we will take questions from CNN Plus viewers and put them to our correspondence. Like, my first thought when I heard that is, this sounds like a web extra kind of a thing. Like, go to CNN.com for this bonus feature. Like, but they're taking things that should be bonus features on their freaking website and trying to build a streaming service around it. Like, come on, man. Who couldn't see that this thing was going to go down in flames? And I think the one thing that, and we've mentioned this too, Rick, that if you're trying to build a streaming service from scratch, you really have to have market share. Of, you have to know what your audience is going to be watching. Right. We've seen now with the fail of this and the fail of Quibi that it's a lot of old, old thought leadership in terms of how to build a streaming service. And most of the time, it doesn't work like that. Right. And what's interesting is that we've been going through this over a period of time here. Uh, and, and it seems like just uh, in the early days of the pandemic, that's when we had some of these ones launching here right around plus or minus that time, the beginning of the pandemic, Peacock, HBO Max, some of these ones here. Subsequently, Paramount Plus, uh, which was the rebranded CBS All Access with some other stuff tacked on to it. And it's one of these things where, particularly, again, with the consolidation with the Discovery Warner Media merger here, I wonder if it's going to be some time before we may see another big launch out there, particularly with something like Netflix looming as a potential takeover. And that's the thing where, again, 
Not to say that it's going to happen today, tomorrow, next week, whatever, but uh, you know, if you were some other entity out there, and I can't even think of too many big media entities out there that are due to launch another one of these ones here, because I, uh, unless you think that uh, what's left domestically of Fox, that uh, you know, they might uh, out outgrow the free service they have to be, uh, and maybe want to do their own kind of a service, but one would think that any kind of bigger media venture out there like that one would think that they would probably be looking to put in a bid for Netflix before starting their own thing when you look at what the, you know, the startup costs are and everything else like that. So I'm wondering if it's not going to be quite some time in this country before we see another major, and I'm saying major in all capital letters, streaming service being launched. I tend to agree with you there, Rick, because I think every major entity right now has their own sort of streaming service or with the inclusion of like Amazon and Apple TV, they have their own sort of, there's a, all these production companies have a lot of these filters now, essentially. Right. Like there's no, you know, there, there's no reason. There are certain deals that of course will allow certain things to be on different channels and all these other things that can be being moved forward. But at the same thing I say to you, I don't think we will see one in a while. It's very possible there it could be something sports related at some point. Mm -hmm. But considering we've seen all these deals now, I don't think we'll see anything on that in that landscape coming up anytime soon. I do tend to uh, have the same thought there, yeah. So uh, we'll have to see how this goes. But uh, in terms of uh, what lies ahead here, uh, any other thoughts on uh, what you think uh, 2022 might still shake out for the uh, streaming business? It's going to be very interesting to see how Apple TV+, Plus, Peacock, Hulu, and a lot of these, and, C, and CBS All Access, all these sort of, they're not, excuse me, not CBS All Access, Paramount Plus. When all these deals are going to start to come to an end and, P, and these bigger networks are acquiring their own assets back, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in terms of what sort of show is going to be promoted more and be remembered for anything else. Because obviously the Netflix bump is still a huge deal. Mm -hmm. But now since there's so many abilities to watch stuff on streaming, there's so many different shows now in so many different pieces of content so i think it's going to be interesting to see if any of these smaller streamers that are outside the top three right now are going to make a big jump at any point yeah yeah that's going to be worth keeping an eye on because again uh it, it is so fluid like i said once you get past maybe the top three or so and you start getting into positions four five and six and <coughs> seeing who's going to be able to jockey around in that area but uh as always yeah when you're looking at one of the great fun sort of sub series that we've been doing on the show here being able to go through periodically with you ben and uh, break down this business that is of great interest to both you and i and one that i think is definitely underserved when it comes to uh coverage out there uh always a pleasure to be able to do and great content thank you so much my friend i appreciate it as always rick if i've learned anything at this period of time it's just do not trust anything with a plus at the end of it. <laughs> That's true. That's true, man. All them things uh, seem to be on borrowed time. No doubt about it. Uh, look out, Paramount Plus. You're on the clock. <laughs> but, uh, well, we'll have to see how all of this goes. But, uh, as always, uh, fun breaking it down with the great Ben Chu. Thank you, Ben. And thank you, everybody, for joining us for this mini episode of the FDH Lounge.